myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian Kenzie Ford. Kenzie is a comedian that originally hailed from the Wichita area. Actually, even further, she did improv back in Abilene, Kansas, which is closer to Kansas City. She does improv and stand-up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we discuss the differences in this episode for her. We also talk about stand-up comedy in Wichita, her being a foodie, her love of scuba diving, and how she got into scuba diving while living in landlocked Kansas. And then we get into her fear of overeating. So let's get into that episode right now with Kenzie Ford. All right, my guest this week is comedian and improviser Kenzie Ford. Kenzie also works in the aero, I guess, aero engineering industry as a project manager, which isn't near as exciting as doing improv comedy or stand-up comedy, whichever she's in the mood for. She's... From what I can tell, someone that grew up in high school drama, theater, and is just basically carried that on through through life, <laughs> it seems. Correct. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I got some stuff done between... Uh, I had another interview this morning, which was at 9 o'clock, which, Ooh. yeah, was very rough. And so I got all my grocery shopping done in between. Nice. So it's important chores. <laughs> yeah, it's life keeping work life balance here and I need to clean eventually some point my apartment. So you are a comedian who originally I guess started in Wichita, Kansas, your hometown. Not hometown, but yeah, in Wichita. <laughs> okay, what is your what is your hometown? My hometown is Abilene, Kansas. Okay. How how far away from that from Wichita is Abilene? About two hours. Okay. Yeah. How long did you live in Abilene? Um. So I was. I'm originally from Kansas City, but I moved to Abilene when I was probably ten, maybe. Yeah. So that's my hometown. I've been there for okay. as long as should be. And so you had you were you through high school there too? Like you mm-hmm. everything? Okay. That's where I actually started, not stand-up, but comedy, because I started improv over in Abilene. They have a, their their slogan is the only professional theater between Denver and Kansas City, so. Interesting. So you're, it's kind of a, a, a I guess, stop on the performer that's going from town to town. Mm-hmm. So what drew you to doing theater? Um, pretty much it was, you know, small town. There really wasn't much to do. My sister, um, what worked at the theater. So she's much older than I am. And so it was one of those things I think where my mom was like, your sister's doing theater, go do it. So that I can just drop you both off and then not have to worry about you guys. Okay. So it was more like, you have to do something, choose what you want to do. And I, I chose mainly improv. So. Okay. So as someone that does both improv and stand up, mm-hmm. what, 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 are, what are your, thoughts on the differences like what it what do you feel you have to change about yourself to be an improv mode versus stand-up mode 
Um, so with improv, you definitely have to be a little bit more bubbly and, um, it's all about energy and it was stand up. You have to bring energy too, but I feel like you, there are definitely a lot of comedians that don't have to do that. Um, with improv, I would say it's also a little bit more, um, but for, firstly, it's a team aspect. Mm-hmm. So, um, with stand up, you just basically are by yourself. So whatever you do, you have to rely on yourself with, um, improv. You definitely are relying on the other players to help get you wherever you want to go. Uh, I'd say the thing that I don't like about improv is that you have to be a lot more PC, I guess, or like really have to watch what you're doing. Whereas with stand up, it's kind of whatever you want to say, go ahead and say it. I mean, people may not like it, but you chose to do it. So it's all on you. Okay. So you, is it just, do you think it's just being in that mentality of a group and having a pack mentality on stage that, that prohibits uh, like complete, I guess, freedom as, uh, since we're going yeah. with- yeah, you don't want to let the team down. If you say something that everyone's like, oh, don't do that. Like, <laughs> so. The earth is flat. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, little things like that. I mean, and a lot of people, especially at um, the clubs around here, everyone uh, can also state at the beginning what like topics you may not uh, want to talk about, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fine. And then there's also like certain, uh, improv has a lot of really weird unwritten rules mm-hmm. that you just kind of got to navigate around. And so if you're really, really good at improv, you break all of them, but <laughs> you have to do it in the right way. Yeah. So I feel like you, there are rules in stand up too, and you have to, you learn to personalize with your own mm-hmm. persona, how you can bend or break or navigate those rules. And so it's always, I'm just interested to hear what your take is as somebody that, that actively participates in both simul, almost simultaneously, I would say it could be in the same day you do some improv mm-hmm. and then jump over to stand up. Yeah, I, I will say, so with improv, it's really funny because when you finish, everyone's like, oh, you did this and that was awesome. Oh, this happened and it was great. And everyone's like really positive. And then you mm-hmm. switch over to stand up and like everybody hates you. <laughs> <laughs> or not that's the wrong way of putting it but like if you get a fist pump like you did well dude <laughs> yeah i when i perform for other comics this my my thing is i i want i i perform for silence because silence mm-hmm. as another comedian is them thinking damn i wish i'd have thought of that yeah when you get that kind of reaction that is definitely something that you know just it's just something you, it's a little giddy thing of trying to get things taken care of. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a tip to the cap basically of, because sometimes when you're, when you make people laugh to me, that's you're you're maybe too dark or too edgy or too, too, too mean because a comic has, I would say duller sensitivities to some of this stuff. So one one comic when I started said to to make an audience laugh, you, you know, a comic can dress as an old lady and trips on stage. To make a comedian laugh, it has to be an old lady that trips and falls. <laughs> and so, it's yeah, they want the the dark humor part yeah. of it because it's everything else. Yeah, makes so, sense. So you started? Did you start stand up in Abilene, or did you go to Wichita for that? No, I started in Wichita. Yeah, okay. when I was living working. It's still in the airspace industry. Mm-hmm. Yep, Wichita. If you, if people are aware, is like the uh, aeros or per capita more air uh, aeronautic engineers mm-hmm. than any other city because I guess during wartime, Wichita is so far in 
in on each on each border basically or any coast that mm-hmm. you're not going to get there and so that's where they wanted to develop all their planes and stuff was to be in flat rural <laughs> can't get to middle us. nowhere yeah <laughs> Yep. So how how long did you perform in Wichita before you moved to Dallas? Not long. Well, so I was actually, I moved to Charles. So I started in Wichita. Um, it did about maybe six months, maybe a little bit less of a stint mm-hmm. um, doing comedy there. And then I moved to Charleston, did about a year there, and then I moved over here. Okay. Yeah. So I'm about three years in comedy wise. Okay. So what would you say is, is there any difference between Wichita comedy and Dallas comedy as far as someone that's done the early parts? What did you feel is different when you got to Dallas versus Wichita? The opportunity for sure. Um, in Wichita and even Charleston ever, like it was a good week if I did one open mic. <laughs> okay. Cause there really wasn't there. Like the, there's one club in Wichita. They had one open mic once a month. So it was definitely here. You can do stand up every day if you want to. Um, just this year. And then also the, the shows as well. We, um, in Wichita, there's only a few people that really book shows over there. So, I mean, and same concept, it's about once a month. Okay. So definitely you feel like this is just more of a hotbed of opportunity mm-hmm. versus which, you know, to us, it seems like when you go to New York and LA, it seems like, well, we're hardly a drop in the bucket compared to how many mm-hmm. open mics and stuff that they have potentially in Los Angeles, but I'm like, but we have way, we have 10% of what I would say LA has, and maybe even less than that from New York of just, you know, you're talking about 300 people, three to 400 mm-hmm. people doing stand up in Dallas. And that's counting people that maybe, you know, will say they do it here and there, or, you know, claim they're a comic, but you only see them mm-hmm. like every six months or something that, claim that they're back and then they're not and in new york and la you're talking about three to five thousand and that may Mm -hmm. may or may not include actors and people that are tv personalities that Mm -hmm. that are trying to add comedy to their resume of things they can do so it just seems from what uh i guess another comedy club here uh, tk's recently that just recently opened they're from la and they talked about is that we don't have to hustle to get on on stage here so we can get really good at stand up but in Los Angeles you have to like learn how to hustle to just get on stage to do stage time mm-hmm. and i thought that was an interesting like delve into it yeah no that makes sense i mean i haven't done anything in LA or new york but mm-hmm. i mean that totally makes sense to me that because it's just overwhelming with the amount of people yeah um, here here to me it's overwhelming cuz starting in Wichita with like as you were saying, there's 300 people here. There's maybe 50 people there um, that you see every week or not every week, every month at the the one comedy club open mic, everybody goes there. If you miss it, then you've missed out on a whole month of doing like practicing material. Okay. That's definitely, I've, and I've performed at that club and it's, it's really quaint yeah. and cozy and it is, it's definitely a different animal than what I thought it would be. I, I was I was a little nervous coming in, but it's it's really it's a really fun place to to hang out. Like it's a it's a cool place to spend a weekend. I've done so done a lot of the eating that can be done at Wichita. And there's some good food in Wichita for yeah. sure. The Duda mm-hmm. Diner is definitely, if you are in Wichita, a must. 
Yes. Especially their all you can eat breakfast on, on Sundays. I did not know it was all you could eat on Sundays. I've just usually gone on Thursday or Friday when I when I get in. Yeah. And just make sure I hit it because I was like, man, I went I think I went Saturday morning and it was it was hard to park and I had to find Well, there's really no parking lot. <laughs> yeah. There's no part you if you, it's definitely yeah. something you you have to look when you go down uh Kellogg to catch because it's mm-hmm. like a blip. It's a car dealership and then there's like one entrance in then you have like maybe five parking spots yeah. and there's a ton of people in there. You're like, where where did everybody park? Yeah. You don't know. So what is your favorite food spot out of Wichita? When like if you go back to if you were to go back mm. to Wichita and do a gig, where would where would you go pig out? Yes. So am I always place I always forget what it's called. Hold on. I have them on Facebook. It's like Dodo. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. It's Dappery Dodo Breakfast Burritos. It's only open from like midnight to 2 a.m. in the back of a bar on Friday and Saturdays. But it's so good. Okay. So they had they just offer breakfast burritos for people that are probably not going to be a, awake for breakfast. Pretty much. So it's about a uh, they if they have a set menu and they change it every month and it's like three burritos. Sometimes and it's generally breakfast, but sometimes they'll have like a fried rice. And pork belly burrito or something like that. Like it's it's definitely hipster food, but it's so good. My favorite that I've ever had there was they had a um, pancake burrito with like maple syrup and bacon inside. It was good. That is that does sound amazing. I'm just like I'm just like their business model is just midnight to two a.m. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's eleven, but yeah, that I would really go like right after maybe seeing a comedy show and then running right over there and yeah. Okay, well, I will. I'll definitely pitch that next time I'm in Wichita to mm-hmm. remind me of that, and I'll okay. I'll, I'll do. Is it in walking distance? <laughs> to... it, the bar is okay. Yeah, even better. Mm-hmm. So, what has been the highlight of your comedy career up to this point? Because you're only two or three, I would say, three years in with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so the most, I, I try to find the highlights when I can. I'm, uh, cause I know that especially with stand up, if you just keep having a goal and then you reach it and then you're like, go on to the next goal. But I'd, I'd say that I have a couple of really cool highlights. Um, my first festival was recently, I went to the Aloha Comedy Festival. That was really fun. Um, got to do several shows in a matter of a couple of days. Um, the first time that I got to host for a club on a weekend, that was a really cool highlight. I did that at Comedy Arena. Um, and then I'd say the, the, my, one of my favorite things is I, uh, if I ever wanted to, I can put it on my resume. Um, I'm internationally performing cause I performed in Canada. So that was cool. Okay. So when, <laughs> when you did the comedy fest in Hawaii, mm-hmm. did you, did they pay your airfare or did you have to? No. So I paid my airfare, but they gave, um, a very large discount for staying. Okay. So yeah, didn't have to pay a lot of that, that really terrible tax. <laughs> that you have to do there's a tax oh hawaii has a lot of like tax taxes everywhere it's giant um so everything that you do there you're gonna get i would i don't even know the exact number but probably like a 10 percent tax on top of that whatever you do whatever you buy wow so yeah (laughs) how many days did you stay did you stay any extra after the festival just to to kick it oh yeah yeah. So I was, the festival is only three days. I was there for about a week and a half. I um, did, I, so I do a lot of scuba diving as well. So when I was there, I did some diving, which mm-hmm. was great. 
And how did you, where did you get into scuba diving? Because there's like no bodies of water in Kansas that I've seen. Yeah. So that was a college. Um, my college was really, really good on, uh, I, I had a lot of study abroad opportunity. And another thing that they do is this like um, class op- option where you can just kind of go anywhere and take a class. And so I took scuba diving and I learned how to do that in Honduras for a little while in the summer. So what school is this that you could that had this all these opportunities? Is it? Uh, it was so it's a tiny, tiny private college um, called Baker University, and it's just right outside of Kansas City. It's in a small town, um, okay. at, like an hour away from Kansas City. Okay, so that's but that's it. That's awesome. And so you found a pat, and so you did. Sc- like, is mm-hmm. that like you had to go to Honduras before you started scuba diving, or did they have some like? I guess swimming pool kind of classes or no, we just, we, I took like the, the, you have to do an online course ahead of time. And so I took the online course and then we went to Honduras and yeah, spent, spent some time there. It was great. How long were you in Honduras scuba diving? Not that long, maybe like a week or so, maybe a little bit longer, probably. Um, okay. I did. So while we were there, we like, we're learning about, cause it's a, um, uh, marine protected environment out in, uh, Utila, which is where we were at. So we learned, took the first few days, four days, learned how to scuba. And then the last, uh, amount of time we just, um, we're learning all about the animals that were there and yeah, it's great. Okay. What has been your favorite scuba moment then? Um, so I probably, I'll say two, my, uh, one of my favorite things was, um, I was, um, doing an archeological program, uh, in Israel. Uh, right after I graduated college. And then when I was there, I got to um, explore an underground or an underwater port city. Mm-hmm. So I was doing some um, exploration there. And so it was very historical and learning all about like, there, there are so much, uh, many boats that got sank. So there was like uh, pottery and jewelry and everything like scattered throughout and just like seeing kind of the art uh, architecture um, that happened there. That was really cool. And then probably in Hawaii, I had one of my best dives there. Um, it's an, it's a black water dive. Okay. And so you are strapped to the boat. So you're tied down to the boat in um, like black. So there's no reefs, There's no nothing around you. It's just black water. And so you're 60 foot under t- strapped to the boat. Underneath you is about 2000 foot plus of um, open ocean. And so while we were there, we got to see at like all the fun critters come out, plankton and squid and we got, uh, I got to see seahorse that was just there, which is so crazy because normally they um, aren't stuck to a reef and they stay there their entire life. So that was really interesting. And the best thing was a 30 foot long whale shark. Okay. So which is really hard to come by. <laughs> how big were the squid? Um, Not big. Probably like that big. Okay. Maybe a little bit bigger. Not, not too, but they, they, they have a like swarms of squid so there's multiple of them yeah because i've heard that they that they could be like attack they can be yeah did they like attack y'all guys or they just no yeah. okay because no. I, I know like in italy or something like that like when they do the night to i guess they go mm-hmm. squid i guess fishing or whatever they however they corral them that like if you fall off the boat you're you're done for and I don't Luckily, know if, nothing like that. <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's just something because they're feeding the squid to try to lure them in that maybe it just gets to become a melee of just yeah. of eating. And so I don't know if that's part of it. But it was like it's I was like, man, that's kind of creepy that have like sea creatures and stuff like basically just 
grab you. Yeah. So that, that's also a danger sometimes when people, cause there are certain parts of the world where they'll feed, um, like for example, in the Atlantic, um, we, uh, there's an overpopulation of lionfish, uh, and it's an invasive species. And so I think at one point divers started trying to like feed nurse sharks, um, the lionfish to try to get them to like start attacking them and eating them because the population is just mm-hmm. over expansive. But what happened is, is the nurse sharks just associated divers with food and so they would like it's a nurse shark so it's like a giant catfish it's not going to hurt you but like at the same time it's still like sharks coming at you <laughs> yeah so there's certain areas where you'll have that <laughs> have you ever had a, a sea creature try to eat you or come at you at any part yeah no, so um i used to do a lot of well, not a lot but i used to do some spear fishing when i was in um charleston i'd run down to florida and when you're there generally you want to go with a group and especially if you're most of the time it's you either do it via um free diving but then you can also do larger depths via scuba and so there was um one time when we went down to about 100 foot on scuba uh one of my um the people with me uh had gotten a like this really large grouper and so we had him and so we were all like surrounding him um so that like we could protect him and then there were bull sharks coming around uh because they can smell the blood and so luckily they didn't get super close to us but it was still one of those things where like you have the spear with you just in case of the if a shark gets too close, you can butt him like with the, with the end of it. So you don't want to hurt him, but at the same time, you don't want him to eat you. Mistake, yeah. Mistake you, your, your leg or something for the fish that they're trying to get. So. Yeah. Um, that to, to me, that, that would be more of a fear than what you've brought to the table for your, mm-hmm. for what you're no, afraid of. <laughs> to me, that's not a fear. To me, that's exciting. It's like, all right, we're, we're going to get, um, we're going to get to eat good for the next couple of days. If we go down there and it's, uh, it's exhilarating. It's fun. Or, or the sharks are going to eat good. Like either, <laughs> either way. Yeah. They're big. They're big puppy dogs. They're fine. Okay. <laughs> they're big puppy dogs, but they have rows and rows of razor sharp teeth that that say otherwise. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They don't really want to eat you because you're you're warm blooded. They want something that's scaly with um like they they want fish. They don't want a human. That's why a lot of the times with surfers, when you see them with that, like on an arm or something, it's because they they bite and then they immediately release going, that's not what I want because it, mm-hmm. it thought you were a seal. So. Yeah. So do you do surfing <laughs> as well or is it just scuba? I am terrible at surfing. I have attempted it. I do not have the ab capacity to do that. Okay. I would, I would stand up and immediately fall into the ocean. It's not a good thing. It's a lot of balance. Yeah. It's so much balance. <laughs> So that I just it's amazing to me that you're like uh, that you've kind of, I guess, lived in like a one horse town, but yet you've been able to Mm -hmm. travel so much or to, I guess, experience so much in like a short life because you're what, 26, 27, 26. Yeah. So, yeah, you've like lived almost a lifetime of adventures practically and you're not even in your 30s. I like, I like finding, I like hobbies, which is half of my problem of why I started stand up and why I do it all the time and why I did scuba. And I just like learning about a lot of stuff. And then once I start, and especially the stuff that uh, could potentially kill you, I like, I like doing. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if that'll happen in stand up, but fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like it, but it doesn't. Yeah. The adrenaline rush is there. It's there for sure. <laughs> so you have a very interesting fear, which. Mm-hmm. I 
had to do a double take when you typed that because I was like, maybe she meant heating or something. But go mm-hmm. ahead and tell the listenership what you're afraid of. I'm afraid of overeating. It's such, <laughs> such an interesting concept. Yeah. So it's very specific, but I have my reasons for it. Okay. So, <laughs> so did you do something that, that, it caused this like I'm very interested in the root of this this uh, o- this fear of overeating so as a child I all like well I would uh I grew up in a my, my dad constantly like if I we have a giant plate of food and I would eat slowly and then if I didn't eat quick enough my dad would be like okay great and then steal my food basically so I grew up like just shoving food in your mouth basically and so I think I just learned the innate thing of like uh not listening to my body saying that like, Oh, you're full now. Stop eating. Cause I was just eating as much as I could. Um, and so I would constantly overeat as a kid. And then I would get these like really, really bad stomach aches, um, to where I couldn't go play with friends. I couldn't like, I would just be like lying on the ground, not being able to really move for a while. And so, uh, and that actually lasted a, a, like I had stomach like 30 times when I couldn't go to school and I just had to stay home because I was just in a lot of pain. And that was before I even like became a woman and had, you know, period cramps and all that to deal with too. (laughs) Um, So that happened. um, And then I tried figuring out, especially when I went to college, I tried figuring out like what um, kind of triggers that if it's just overeating, if it's certain foods. So like I used to love coffee, but acidic stuff like really does upset my stomach. So I, I gave up coffee for a while. Um, and then, uh, in college, I just learned that like, if I don't eat as much, I won't have as bad of a stomach ache. So then that happens, but then I was actually under eating. And so I was getting malnourished as well. So like, I'm just now in the process of still trying to figure out what the happy medium is. So that's my, that's my fear. (laughs) So did you ever like use that to your advantage to overeat and get stomach aches to avoid school? Like if there was a test or something you didn't study for, would you like eat a lot then have the stomach ache so you didn't have to go to school that day I actually really liked school that that's what's really sad especially as a young kid I will and a lot of the times uh it was I don't know why but yeah I I loved reading and I loved learning and various stuff like that so I never really wanted to get away from going to school so that no it generally never happened because I was a nerd okay so so you're a nerd, but you just you were just basically traumatized by by the pain and just like you mm-hmm. you would become hesitant to eat. Yeah. When it still happens, yeah, it still happens to this day where like I'll um eat something that just doesn't and like I'll get a stomach ache. And the worst is when I'm actually about to go on stage and I have a stomach ache, and then at that point, what do I do? Um and I've I am not ashamed to admit this. I've gotten to the point where I if it's like a a really, really bad stomach ache and I d- a kid don't have time to like go home or like try to figure out what, what I need to do to get rid of it. I just go to the bathroom and lie down, okay. <laughs> which is kind of gross, but at the same time, like that's what you got to do. So it's probably <laughs> very gross like that. Yeah. 10 out of 10 would not recommend that. Well, some places it's, it's much cleaner than others. Like, uh, I would never, there are certain bars where I would never in a million years do that, but then there are other places like that. I'm like, eh, it seems fine. It's clean enough. <laughs> do people find you just laying in there? Like, do they like normally? Not normally. I'm good. Like, no one's just come in and be like, "Are you a, like what's?" Yeah, because I've also gotten to where I can like kind of play it off. So I'm just like, "Oh, I lost like my glasses. I needed to pick them up." 
as you're laying on your back. Like I just lost my glasses. <laughs> I'm only on my you, stomach. That's, you, it's a stomach. Okay. Do you throw your glasses so that it looks like you're trying to find <laughs> your glasses so that you just take them off for just a brief moment and then, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like your Velma from Scooby-Doo and just, but you're just really bad at it and just. I didn't mean to lay on my stomach, but I'm just, I'm looking for my glasses. So have you figured out like besides acidic, so it's just, is it just acidic food or is it, have you like made, you got more of a pinpoint on it than. I still haven't been able to really pinpoint other other than just eating too much has been like the biggest thing. Um, and then the, the, I do know that. Yeah. When I drink, if I have a cup of coffee, I'm normally okay, but I used to like drink a lot of coffee, which definitely upset my stomach. Um, uh, I've, and I've gone through phases of like, I wouldn't eat dairy for a while. And then, um, I brought it back in cause it like, I was still getting stomach aches even when I wasn't eating dairy, I gave up meat for a while, same concept. So. Um, the only thing that I haven't given up yet has been gluten, um, which I've been told could be my problem. But at the same time, I don't want to give it up because then um, I've also seen people that have given it up before getting some kind of diagnosis and then having to bring it back on it. And then it becomes worse. Okay. So so if you if you take it out of your diet, it makes it worse when you introduce it back in is what you're saying. Okay. So it's that's one that I'm like waiting for like the last straw kind of to, to do that. See, to me, it doesn't seem like it's gluten, though, because if it was coffee, why mm -hmm. would that be gluten? I feel like it's something lining wise that with your stomach that's maybe just not that set, that gets, I guess, disrupted once you either have a certain capacity or this basically a, a rage, you know, just aggressive amount of coffee or something along those lines so it's if it's something acidic then i would think it would be the same thing as if you had a lot of orange juice it would do the same um possibly i mean i don't really drink orange juice so maybe i could attempt like one day when i have nothing to do <laughs> drink a lot of orange juice. just drink orange juice and just <laughs> yeah. see if the if the feelings of yeah so i'm just i just it's just fathoms to me so it's <laughs> like like what is your limit like where what do you think your limit is on, I guess, eating? Like, where? Do you, how do you know when to, to like, curb, like, I guess, you're eating, the food's delicious. Mm -hmm. When do you... That's That's been my biggest struggle, is that I'm also, uh, I'm a big foodie. I love to eat, and I love to, like, try new stuff, and that's I've now luckily gotten better about just eating like a, like if it's a large portion I used to just eat all of it and then get a stomach ache. and now I've gotten to the point where I'm like consciously trying to just slow my eating down and then only eat like I kind of separate if I have a, like a pizza for example if I have a pizza at um I was just I got a pizza yesterday at backdoor I ate half of it and I, I was like, I'm only going to eat from this half. And then I have other people be like, do you want a slice of pizza? Do you want this? Do you want that? That way that I make sure that I'm not going to eat all of it. Okay. Yeah. Is, so a whole pizza at backdoor is? Too much. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I'm just like trying to. This is, <laughs> so do you like, do you have, do you have treatment plans like other than laying in random bathrooms across the country? <laughs> Do you yeah. have, do you know, like when you get home, like, do you, have you ever tried like allergy pills or anything like that to see if it's a food allergy or. Yeah. I've tried Benadryl. That doesn't help. I've tried Tums. That doesn't really help. I've tried, um, uh, like multiple, like even, um, there's like 
gas X in case that was maybe something again, mm-hmm. does not help. Um, there, uh, I have started seeing a gastroenterologist to try to like get down to the pinpoint of stuff, but so far, no such luck either. Um, and the main things that help are, yeah, if I just lie down for a little bit, then like sometimes it can subside for a little bit and then it'll come back up later. Um, heat helps as well, but I've been trying to limit myself on that. I've been told that's not the greatest thing is to constantly be heating <laughs> your intestines. Um, so, but those are the, those are the two main things I've also, uh, yeah, like Tylenol and, um, even like all of the different pain medications I've tried as well. Um, doesn't help. So. Okay. What is your gastroenterologist so far? Like thought about it? Like what has his been? Um, so she actually, uh, has, uh, her, I thought our ideology is just that I am a slow processor of food mm-hmm. and so that she just thinks i'm really constipated and so she's tried to like have laxatives does not help and very stuff like that um <laughs> and so we're just uh, right now she took um some blood of mine so she's gonna try and like test some of my levels and it's very like a stool sample as well i've had to do which was very awkward to take um to back to my doctor but I haven't seen those results yet either so okay well cool. that's where i'm at I, I applaud your your courage on on that. I'm talking about that. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I mean, I will say I've gotten a lot better about talking about this kind of stuff actually since diving. Mm-hmm. Um, Freedivers specifically, we are very open with our digestive system because um, for, for those of you, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, freediving is when you take one large breath of air and then you dive down to your limit, uh, whatever your limit may be, and then you come back up. So sometimes you are diving for multiple minutes. Sometimes it's going to be a few seconds and sometimes it's 10 foot. Sometimes it's 80 foot. It just kind of depends. So when you're diving like that, your digestive system speeds up. And then when you have to use the restroom, um, when you're diving, that takes a lot more of your energy to be processing that instead of focusing on your air intake. So I, there's been times where we're on a boat and someone jumps in the water to just go to the bathroom right then and there. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it happens sometimes. That's not where you're free diving though, right? That's just another area of you're moving on to another area before you free dive. You're not free diving right there. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's generally in between the dive. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, if you, when you gotta go, you gotta go. So I'm sure that does happen when you're free diving and someone just goes down river of you and then comes back for a little bit. But yeah, most of the time it's when we free to free to, we gotten back in the boat and then we're going to a new spot. That's generally what happens. So how, what has been your deepest free dive? Like what is your. Um, My deepest so far has been 70 foot. What is that like to just be diving 70 feet into the water with one breath of air oh it's it's so you have to first of all you're not going to start by doing 70 foot i started with um attempting to do 15 for my first one and then you just kind of gradually go from there and so when you first start out and you do do 15 you're you're like oh my gosh it's kind of nerve-wracking and then you go down and do it a pool is like eight foot deep so it's really not that much when you go like baby steps kind of a thing but the, the farther down you go, the more that you just kind of got to like think in your head, calm thoughts and relaxing. It's very much like meditation because as soon as you start thinking about, oh, I'm going down 70 foot, you're not going to be able to do it because um, you you very much amp yourself up to like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to. And then you just get the excitement builds, but then also then your air intake builds as well. And so, yeah, you, you won't get that far down if you freak out. <laughs> 
So when you do that, can you like stay under like at the bottom of a pool for like minutes at a time then? Like, can you? So there's um, uh, static breath holds that you can do. It's not, you can do a bottom of the pool. Most of the time you're in a wetsuit and then you're just kind of floating at the top with your head in the water. Um, My max uh, time there's three, well, no, I got to four minutes recently. So I got four minutes. Okay. Which isn't that which isn't that long of a time. Uh, I've been kind of experimenting with some of the the at the dive shop that I work at. Um, been showing some people how to like some of the free diving techniques, and they've been able to hit three minutes, three thirty, three fifty. So it's not it's not that impressive, but I like it. It's really fun. Okay, who like what's your goal? Like what's your goal minutes to to get to? Um, my, so not necessarily that I have a goal like I have to hit this amount of time my goal right now is to just get my instructor rating in freediving so that I can do it more often and teach people how to do it here mm-hmm. um because in DFW I think there used to be a freediving instructor but they're I don't think that they're teaching anymore so that's been my overall goal but to do that I have to take time off go to Florida and then spend weeks there and then also you have to um I have hit my for instructor rating the what I need to in terms of static but not what I need to in terms of depth Okay. Um, I think that one is 80 or maybe a hundred foot that you have to reach down. And that's my problem is because I have trouble equalizing my ears. So it's a lot harder to get down. What, when you say equalizing your ears, what does that mean? So pressure, it's the same way when you're um, going up in an airplane and you are uh, at that level for so long and you, you feel the pressure in your ears. So then you Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, plug your nose and then it releases the, the pressure. Same thing happens when you are scuba or free diving, the pressure builds right there. So you have to release it from your sinuses and, um, yeah, there are multiple different techniques to it. Um, the best free divers in the world can do, um, a technique frenzel, which is kind of like, it's, uh, I can't do it, but it's like from the back of your, like, um, <laughs> th- throat it's kind of like a sound that you make mm-hmm. and it just kind of releases uh all throughout your sinuses um and some people can just do it automatically without having to like mm-hmm. um touch their nose or anything like that but i have to do the the valsalvo technique which is what it's called it blow your nose basically basically wow so there is a there is an option to another option to popping your ears that's not the i guess blow your nose technique yeah there's, there's so many different techniques that you can try out and do. Um, I'm really bad at all of them. <laughs> so it's good. Okay. So have you, like, how do you, so have you had, like, the stomach pains while you were trying to perform at stand-up? Like, you had a big show or something and... Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, that's generally when you get on, when I get on stage, I forget about it because of the adrenaline. And also I just got to focus on what I'm doing. But as soon as I get off on stage that like the buildup to getting on and that once I leave the stage, then I'm like, yep, I got a stomachache again. This is luckily most of the time I can bear through it for the five, 10 minutes I'm up there though. Okay. When you pregame, like, how do you, how do you drive with it? Driving is actually a lot easier with it because I'm hunched over. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like when you're, but like, you're sitting, the problem is when I'm standing, for a long period of time, because like, it's, uh, when, like if I'm squatting or if I'm sitting or if I'm bending over, like I'm still putting pressure in the area where I'm getting, um, pain in. So that kind of helps subside. It's the same way with lying down, you're putting pressure on your stomach. And so it it just kind of, um, 
I don't, I don't know the best way to explain it, but the, the pressure that's there, it definitely helps with the pain. Okay. But trying, trying to stand fully upright is honestly part of some of the hardest to do. But when I'm on stage, like, I think that that's also the theatrical person in me. Like I can try to fake it till you make it for the five, 10 mm-hmm. minutes that I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know when I have a stomach ache, driving is the worst cause the seatbelt <laughs> feels like it's just like constricting against my, uh, my gut and, like mm-hmm. I squirm and I can't sit still. <laughs> That's what. So my suggestion to that, instead of like sit, sitting upright when you're driving, hunch over, <laughs> like like over the steering wheel. Okay. That generally helps. Me. I also this is something fun. I have um, a heating pad in there as well that is battery charged. So if I ever get a stomachache when I'm in my car, I just pull that out. Okay. And that helps. How many? How often do you have these? Do you do you get these stomach aches? Luckily, not as often as I used to, because again, I've been trying to get a lot better at it. Um, probably at least once a week is when I'm getting stomach aches now. It used to be a lot more. It used to be like two or three times every week. Did your parents ever take you to the doctor for it or they just think that it was? Parents, uh, well, I'll also say that my my dad was very much of the mentality of like, you're not bleeding, you're fine, walk it mm-hmm. off. Like that's, we we never really went to the doctor yeah. unless it was like, you are actively bleeding and you need to go see somebody like right now. Yeah. So if they so. thought they, they figured it was an emergency, then then they would then they would take you. But other than that, they just they were they were very skeptical, I guess, of yeah. modern medicine. Yeah, not even modern medicine, just also their kid. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're you're just overreacting, you're fine, just lay down, you're okay. That kind of a thing. So Okay. Well that <laughs> That's so like I, it just blows my mind because I would think that like at some point that the constant the constant nation of it would be that you know maybe we should take her to something because you know, just to to complete to, to continue to like say you know I would understand if it was like maybe like once every three to six months but if it was daily practically or multiple mm-hmm. times in a week I feel like at some point they would just bend and be like okay let's let's take- let's go take her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think time period wise, both of my parents now, well, my mom is in her sixties now, not to share her age with the world, but, um, uh, they, like they were both born in their fifties. So I, or both born in the 1950s. So I think it was also maybe just how they grew up too. It was just, it was like, you don't need to go to the doctor. You're okay. Not. Yeah. It it wasn't, I I wasn't intimidating that they, they were, insensitive I was just was like you would I would just was like you know maybe logically speaking like hmm. at some point maybe it's something and I guess they just they've you know endured and things like that and hopefully yeah. it, hopefully it's nothing serious and it all comes back as just something hopefully not as a mystery but at least something that simply that you can simply do mm-hmm. to kind of get away from could also be because I was uh, grow up, grew up in a very small town that like I don't remember them ever taking me to the doctor for it, but they could have. And um, not to put shame to the to the doctors in my small town since I did say the name of that small town. Um, that wasn't the best, I will say. I uh, I was recently I recently also was uh, just a few months ago diagnosed with ADHD, and I've had that probably my whole life, and so didn't find that out until I was. 26 
um, just very stuff. And I, and I, and I went to the doctor a lot as a kid for, um, I have a lot of health issues. I used to have this thing called SVT, which is super tachycardia and it was a heart condition. I didn't get diagnosed with that. I, I did when I was in middle school, but it took a while for them to figure out what that was. And it's a very common problem. But does that, is that a, a danger for your uh, scuba diving? Not anymore. I got it fixed. I got an ablation done when I was in college. Okay. So I didn't know if that yeah. would be a problem. No. So um, basically what happened is, is they, I, did, I had surgery done. They fixed the issue. I, uh, I can still go and see cardiologists every once in a while, but um, nope, I am normal and happy and healthy now. Okay. Well, congratulations. I thank, thank you, you for doing this, Kenzie. Where can people <laughs> find you on social media if they were? I am on Instagram at Kins 2.0. Okay. That's the one when like no YouTube clips or anything available at this I time. I don't. Okay. No. <laughs> any, any shows coming up that you want to? I do. Um, I have two in the DFW area coming up on uh, August, not August, April 3rd. I'll be at the Addison Improv for Dean Lewis and Friends Showcase. Um, and then on the 9th, I believe, I will be at Hyena's Red Room for a competition. Okay. Well, good luck on your competition. Thanks again for doing this, Kenzie. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. So that was Kenzie Ford. It's such a weird thing to live with. With like a, I, you, some people have such medical conditions and stuff that kind of prohibit their lifestyle from being everything maybe that they would want it to be, like just digesting and stuff. So being a foodie, imagine having stomach issues and, and things like that when you're a foodie and your passion is to try new and different cuisines and just that lurking fear of this is going to hurt later. Like I have indigestion, so I can kind of relate because I ha I love hot wings and I love spicy food, but I also have indigestion, which causes extreme pain and later on. So check out Kenzie Ford at Kens 2.0 on Instagram. I'll have links to her social media in the show notes. Again, it was a fun conversation, and I just can't imagine dealing with that on a daily basis. That would just be so in, slightly uncomfortable. Maybe it's not the worst fear. It's not a gripping fear, but it's still something that makes you pause to live life here to your fullest because you know that this could be, you know, or I'm going through this right now, but I have a show in 20 minutes. Again, thanks for listening. I did stand-up comedy and a brewery and uh, a dive bar this week. Both were incredibly fun. Thanks again to Todd Birdwell for booking me at the Tupps Brewery and Jacob Marshall for booking me at MacGyver's in Burleson, Texas. Both shows were great. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. And then I had Taco Bell on the way home. And so now I'm ha I'm living Kenzie's fear right now, literally and figuratively. I'm in some pain a little bit, but that's the price you pay for fast food. It will be my last fast food for a while. I'm going to try to lose and get back in shape. I've had shoulder tendonitis for the last month or so, maybe a little over a month. And it's just, I can't, I feel like my body is is either shutting down or I just can't support the weight that I have. And so I've got to work on getting that reduced so that I can 
hopefully reduce this shoulder pain and hopefully the tendonitis will eventually fade in time. It, it comes and goes. And so at certain positions I hold my arm, it just all of a sudden just a a rocking pain will come through my arm. And so I've been dealing with that. Um, still doing shows and things of that nature. I took some time off work just to kind of heal and and just get away. And so that was a, a fun week. I had a four-day weekend. It was great. Thanks again for the shows and all of that that comes with that. I appreciate that. If you want to follow me, my I am at Ryan Perio. Make sure you leave reviews for the show at Some Fear Fans. I thank you guys for listening to Some of All Fears and have a wonderful week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans. S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger and... It's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at RyanPerio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.